Welcome to podcast 6.3, the last section of chapter 6. Uh, in this chapter, we've learned about covalent bonds, how they work, how to uh, name molecules that are bonded covalently. Then we spent some time with Lewis dot structures. And now what we're going to do is kind of tie it all together with the Lewis dot structures and the fact that these bonds are being shared to come up with uh, molecular shapes of molecules. Because as you're going to see, it plays a large role in the properties of these molecules. I have five shapes up here that are the five that I want you to know and we'll go over exactly what they are uh, in a little while as you can see them rotating around there now if you look um, you'll see the little dots right in there see those ones right there those are free electrons you can see them over there and then uh, the, the sticks of course just represent bonds so this all has to do with this thing called Vesper theory valence shell electron pair repulsion theory and if you think about an electron cloud Imagine eight electrons on the outside in the valence shell, and what are they doing to each other? Well, hopefully you're thinking they're repelling each other. And so that repulsion is what gives the molecules their three-dimensional shape. So Vesper theory is simply predicting the shapes based on the repulsion of these valence electrons. And the nice thing is, is if you can draw a Lewis dot structure, which you can, you can predict these five shapes simply based on the Lewis dot structure. Um, but there are a couple things that you need to know. Mostly you need to know about the bonded pairs and the non-bonded pairs. Because the shape is dependent upon uh, what those valence electrons are doing uh, around that central atom. Are they bonded? Or are they unbonded? Because that's going to make a little bit of difference. And just as you can imagine, uh, the idea is that electrons are negatively charged, right? And since they are negatively charged, they're going to want to be as far apart as they could be from each other. Now, the tough thing about this is we're drawing Lewis dot structures on a two-dimensional surface, but we have to try and think three-dimensional. And that's what I like about these little animations that I pulled off a website somewhere, is they kind of give you a really good idea for how they are in, in a three-dimensional space. And so that's going to be your challenge, is to kind of try and uh, ma imagine... Uh, the shape. And then the last thing about this is when we're naming these molecules, we have to really focus on this. Those unshared electron pairs, they influence the shape, okay? But they're not visible in the model. Now, they're, they're visible in these little animations I have up here, but when we build our models in our lab, we're not going to worry about those unbonded pairs. But we do need to realize that those unbonded pairs um, uh, influence the shape. And they, they influence it to a, a certain degree. So what I've got for you next is I want to show you these uh, structures that I want you to get in your brain. There's only five of them, so it'll be pretty easy to name them. And uh, there's some odd names, but I think you'll get it. So here they are. This is probably a good time to pause the video, and you might even want to sketch this picture out, or I should say these pictures out, because these are important things. We're going to do a little uh, group activity where we're going to go over the names, but I'm just going to briefly go over this uh, while you're sketching. Uh, you can listen to me, or you can just pause and then wait for me to talk about it. So here we go. With this first one right here, this tetrahedron, we've got one central atom, 
In our case, it's going to be carbon a lot. And then usually we're, you know, with these models we build as hydrogen. Now, again, the challenge is we're talking three dimensions on a two-dimensional surface, okay? A tetrahedron shape, tetra meaning four, right? That is as far apart as those uh, electrons could be. And this angle, and I couldn't make a curve, but if, if it would be better if it was curved like that. That angle right there is 109.5, and that's something I want you to kind of commit to your brain, all right? That a tetrahedron has 109.5 uh, degrees. So that's, that's with four bonds. Now let's say, for example, one of these uh, bonds, or one of these, I don't know, valence electrons on the central atom isn't bonded. Like, for example, let's say I had this was an N, and this was an H. This would be ammonia. All right. Now, as you guys know, you've got to have an octet, right? So this represents two electrons right here, two electrons right there, two electrons right there, and then, of course, these two, right? So this shape is still in the shape of uh, a tetrahedron if you were to imagine, right? If you were to imagine this bond coming right up here, right? It would be just like this one over here. But when we talk about shapes, we don't include the, the non-bonded electrons. So this is a little pyramid, this thing right here. Okay, it's a pyramid. I don't know. I, I, I can't draw a pyramid three-dimensionally. I just don't have the skills. But anyways, it's a pyramid, and if you were to look at the bottom of it, it would look like a triangle. So it's called trigonal pyramidal. And I'll show you models in these classes, and we'll play with them so it's a little, you'll get to see them in three dimensions. And this angle right here is 106.5. Now, notice it's still in the same shape as that one, but this angle is uh, less than the 109.5. Can you think of any reason why that is? Well, did you? Well, here's the situation. When you have a bonded pair of electrons right here, like these guys right along here, they're kind of locked in between the two nuclei of, of that atom. All right. But what happens is when we have an unbonded pair, this electron cloud or this unbonded pair takes up a greater amount of space than a bonded pair. And so what you have is it kind of forces these other bonds... Oops, that's not what I want to do. It forces those other bonds to bend down more. All right? It forces them to bend down. Kind of odd, right? Well, let's let's look at the next one I want you to, do, to uh, see. This bent shape, all right? Look at that. There's our friend, water, right? Now, this is really tough thing. Again, the electrons are still taking the place in this tetrahedron. They're still taking place in that spot, all right? But there's two pair of electrons. Notice the angle right here. Look at that. It's even less than the 106.5. Why? Well, think about it. Those electrons are free, so they're taking up more space. And those electrons are free. They're taking up more space. So they're really squishing this angle right here even more so. I hope that makes sense. I know it seems kind of weird. It's, you know, it's uh, 
it's hard to imagine on this two-dimensional surface. But we'll play with these models and you'll get a chance to see it. All right. Uh, here's another one. The fourth one. Trigonal planar. Like boron trifluoride. Okay. Now, boron is an exception. It doesn't need... Um, all right, a little phone interruption there. Anyways, so here's boron trifluoride, and this is one of those molecules that actually has an exception to the octet rule. It turns out boron only needs six uh, valence electrons, So, but we're not going to really worry about that. What we're going to look at, though, is uh, the shape of this thing. Now, it would be great if I could turn it on its side because you would see a bump there and a bump there and a bump there, all right? And you would see uh, just some lines, okay? Because it's on a plane. It's a flat plane. And so this is still a triangle, right? So it's trigonal. But since it's, if you look at it sideways, it's on a plane. It's called trigonal planar, okay? So we have four shapes. Tetrahedron, trigonal pyramid, right? Bent, trigonal planar. And last but not least... A linear shape, something like what you're breathing out right now, CO2, right? And so any type of linear shape is going to be 180. Oh, I didn't talk about this one. This is 120 because what's a three, you know, a circle divided by three sections, 360 is 120, right? So there you go. So those are the five shapes I want you to commit to your brain. Uh, I would like you to know their angles also and get those drawings in your journal. We will have a little activity where we'll get to play with these a little more and, and hopefully it'll make sense to you. Now, why are, is it important that we know these shapes? Remember, these are covalent bonds. Well, there's a couple reasons and I want to show you those right now. It turns out that the molecular shape affects the properties because with these shapes you can get polar or nonpolar bonds. For example, up here, if we if we look at, you know, let's just go back to electronegativity. All right. Let's let's just say carbon was 3.1 and oxygen was 3.2 and uh, I just don't know what it was, but the, these guys are equal and opposite, right? So this thing is nonpolar. Right? This no molecular dipole, that means nonpolar. Now here's water though, and um, if I haven't already shown you this demo of water being polar, you'll see it in class, right? This was the more negative side, this was the more positive side. You can see the little delta, positive delta negative. So water is a polar thing, and what that does is that causes some properties uh, to behave, or it causes these molecules to behave a certain way. Remember what we said about. Uh, ionic compounds, you like salt, right? Well, they were uh, had a very high melting point and boiling point. And the reason it, there was, well, the reason that is, is because if you have two oppositely charged things next to each other, it's hard to pull those apart. And if you want to pull those things apart, you know, to get them sitting out here by themselves, You've got to put in a lot of energy because that's a real strong attraction, a positive and negative charge. Well, if I have something, oops, another phone call. Jeez. 
All right, so we've got, I'm trying to establish here that we've got these ionic compounds here are making, uh, making those high melting points because it's really hard to pull apart. Well, if you've got something like this, okay, the polarity is going to, going to definitely affect uh, how hard it is to pull these apart. Imagine another water molecule like this, okay? This is a negative side. Let's say I have the positive side there. Let me keep the colors consistent, right? The negative side. And then here's, imagine those lined up, all right? Kind of like in a, whether it's a solid or they're kind of, close to each other in a liquid, and you can imagine a whole bunch of those surrounded, it would be equally, well not equally, but it would be also tough to pull those apart. So the shape of the molecule definitely and directly affects the polarity. And that is important because that affects melting point, boiling point, whether something's going to evaporate, how it will dissolve things, all sorts of interesting uh, properties. And so it's important that we realize when we look at these diagrams who's polar or not, right? If this, if we have a tetrahedron shape and all these atoms are the same, it's nonpolar. But what if I said this end right here was a chlorine, right? But those all were H. Well, now you're talking about a structure that's, um, pardon me, I, I, I messed up. This is polar if those are all the same uh, atom that's nonpolar. Okay, this thing right here, just because of this electron pair, is going to be polar, no matter what. Same with this, it's going to be polar. This thing, it depends on what these outside atoms are. If they're all the same, nonpolar, but let's say we have a chlorine there instead, now it's polar. Same thing with something linear. Uh, linear. If we're talking about like H, C, N, remember when we drew that? Oops, that's a terrible N. <coughs> that would be a polar thing. So this polarity has a lot to do with the property. So it's important that we understand the shapes and understand are we going to have a polar end or not. Oops. And so this is the important thing. Nonpolar molecules have weak attractive forces, but polar molecules have strong attractive forces. And what that means is if you have uh, if you have a weak attractive force, you have a low boiling point, low melting point, uh, you evaporate easily. Okay, and other, other properties. And so this is one of the reasons why water is such an amazing thing. It's a polar molecule, and so it takes a lot of energy to, to boil it. Um, if you've ever watched a pot boil, it takes a long time. But if you were to put a, a pot of rubbing alcohol on the stove, please don't do that, by the way, you'd find that it boils rather quickly. Okay, And that's because, uh, well... That's probably not a good a good example, but the the attractive forces are less for the rubbing alcohol than the water. So that's why shapes are important. This this really has to these properties really uh or these bonds really affect the properties. So let's look at this last thing because I want this is the practical stuff I want you to be able to do. I want to give you a molecule, ask you to draw 
the structure with the Lewis dot structure using the Vesper theory predict the shape of each one okay so let's try SCL2 well I'm gonna put S in the middle with its six valence electrons right there we go here comes chlorine with its seven valence electrons one two three four five six seven here comes chlorine also with its seven valence electrons right now let me ask you this what kind of uh, shape is that hopefully you didn't say linear right because it's not yeah it looks like it's linear but look at these two things right here what do we have right here non-bonded pairs of electrons so those are gonna fill up the space of that tetrahedron right so what you're gonna have is you're gonna have this bent shape right those are going to take the shape of that tetrahedron, these four bonded, re, uh, these four sets of electrons. And so you're going to get a bent shape, right? Let's do the next one. If you want to pause and then see if you get it right, by all means do so. All right, here's carbon in the middle, right? Four valence electrons. And if you don't mind, guys, I'm not going to draw these ones on the outside. Okay, I'm going to be a little lazy here just because of time. So here's a chlorine. Right, here's a chlorine, here's a chlorine, and here's a chlorine, right? Four bonded atoms, all the same, next to it. What's that going to be? Tetrahedron. By the way, I should have said bent. Okay, and then last but not least, SO3. S in the middle. Double bond, O, O, and O. All right, what's this going to be? Trigonal planar. Trigonal planar. Notice this is not sulfite. If it was, it would be a little different. Now, just as a quick review, what kind of angle are we going to get here between these guys? 104.5. What kind of angle here? 109.5 and what kind of angle here that's the only one I can really draw 120 all right so there you have the quick and dirty Vesper theory uh, why it uh, why molecules uh, why their shape affects their properties and we will do an activity in the lab where we'll play with this stuff and try and uh, uh, see it in action oh, again like always if you have questions please ask me tomorrow see you later bye